Those are the dulcet tones of Steve Bastoni in the 1998 film 15 Amore. It was a performance that earned Bastoni an AFI Award nomination and one which journalist Bob Ellis compared to Marlon Brando and Anthony Quinn. There's an interesting story about how that song came to be included in the film and you're about to hear it here. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. With well over 80 acting credits to his name across film, stage and television, the instantly recognisable Steve Bastoni is easily one of Australia's best known and most loved actors. He starred in many Australian TV shows including Police Rescue, Neighbours and Underbelly, as well as films including Drift, The Matrix Reloaded, The Water Diviner and more recently Heath Davis's Broke. He's also the creator and founder of the Peninsula Short Film Festival which is held each year in Rosebud, Victoria. In this interview, we discuss the festival, Steve's incredible career, and his first impressions of Australia when he arrived here at the age of nine from Rome. Anyway, enjoy. So, Steve Bastoni, uh, welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on. I want to go uh, back to the beginning. Uh, You were born in Rome, uh, in Italy. When did you come out to Australia? I came out with my mother and two sisters in 1973, and uh, we settled in North Baldwin for a few months. I went to North Baldwin Primary School and then ended up in Carlton after that, and I went to Prince Hill Primary School along with another um, contemporary of mine, Vince Colosimo, in Prince Hill Primary School. So that was in the early 70s. Wow, there you go. So you would have been uh, nine years old then? Yeah. Right. So what was uh, your first impression of Australia? How, how did you find it coming here? Oh, look, it was different to what I expected because my mum sort of sold the kids on it. My parents separated and that's my mum came out with my, you know, her three children, my two sisters and I. And my mum sort of sold it to us as it was going to be like the Wild West. And, uh, uh, you know, like I, I was told that it was, you know, there was cowboys, which is true, but they weren't like the cowboys that I wanted to be. And uh, I was told that there was saloons, but they were called pubs. And they, again, they weren't like the saloons that I wanted. You know, I, I wanted a career as a six, you know, six shooting, rootin' tootin' cowboy who, <laughs> you know, walked in the saloons and stuff and cattle wrestling and all that, you know, but it wasn't like that. But, you know, there was, um, you know, jackaroos and, and pubs, and that was sort of a bit different to what I had in mind. But, yeah, so my my initial impression was it wasn't like it was sold to me, but I, I did enjoy it. I loved it. I loved it as soon as I came here. I thought, oh, yeah, this is beautiful. Yeah. We came to, yeah, part of my, a big part of that was my childhood, you know, holidays on the Mornington Peninsula, which is where, of course, I, I now live. 
Um, uh, so did your desire uh, to become an actor uh, come as a realisation to you or was it something that you uh, always knew you wanted to do? No, it sort of came about by accident. My mother was involved in the old university Italian theatre group and she um, was doing a play entitled Minestrone and it was basically a bunch of sketches. It was more or less like a university review thing. And um, and one of the characters was an eight-year-old boy who had to do a monologue in Venetian dialect. And, of course, uh, I was probably the, the only kid <laughs> um, available to them at the time. And mum said, do you, you want to do this? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll have a crack. And, and um, from that moment, we performed in front of about 2,000 people in the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Wow. From that moment, it, uh, I was sort of bitten by the bug and, and I loved it. Um, although I, I, I never really had another opportunity to do it until I was about 16. But, but that was my first experience on stage as an, as an eight or nine-year-old, actually, doing a, so, a, a monologue, monologue. So do you yeah. think it was the uh, the size of the crowd? 2,000 people, that's a lot of people to perform uh, in front of as an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old. Yeah, look, it was definitely, um, you know, a huge part of it. The fact that, you know, when you're that young and you can, all you have to do is remember your lines and you get a standing ovation. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I remember getting a terrific round of applause at the end of it and I thought, wow, this is what I want to do. <laughs> it's an amazing feeling. So I don't think I've had an applause like that since, mind you. <laughs> so you said there that your next role didn't come until much later. What was that? What was your first uh, uh, on-screen acting role? On screen, my first role was a short film called Skipping Class, and it was uh, written and directed by uh, Chris Warner and Maureen McCarthy. Did I just drop out then? No, no. No, good. Okay. Um, uh, It was written and directed by uh, Chris Warner and Maureen McCarthy from Trout Films, and it was a 42-minute docudrama about... um, funded by the Canberra Schools Commission about um, the difficulties of kids from ethnic backgrounds assimilating in in Australian culture and how they manage uh, and really that whole parent-teacher student triangle and how how that worked uh, from kids from other cultures and how they had to be one thing at home and then another thing in the school you know like uh, it it was interesting, it was a great little piece How did you become involved in that? Well they came to they came to well they went to all the schools to audition kids and um, it got down to me and this uh, this other kid from our school called Ramesh and at the end of the day um, they chose me and and so at that screening uh, we screened it uh, in the city somewhere I can't I think it was the State Theatre and um, and there was an agent there called Lorraine West who was one of the bigger agents in town she ran the Actors Agency which is still I think going and she was very So what kind of uh, uh, films and television shows uh, were your favourite growing up? Was, were there many uh, Australian um, films that come to mind or, or TV shows? Oh, look, my favourite, I loved Storm Boy. I thought Storm Boy was amazing. Mm. You know, growing up as a kid, it was really moving. Um, I loved Storm Boy. I loved Wake in Fright. That had a profound effect on me too. Wake in Fright, I think, is one of the best Australian films of all time. I just think it's a masterpiece. Um... um Malcolm, films like Malcolm, um, you know, The Big Steel, growing up, those, those films were really, you know, important to me. Um, yeah, 
Um, your father was uh, an Olympic canoeist. Uh, was there ever any desire to follow in uh, in that kind of uh, in those kind of footsteps uh, as an athlete of some kind or, or a sporty type? Yeah, look, I did have aspirations to become a professional basketballer at one stage, and I played. You know, I made the Victorian State Juniors squad uh, when I was sixteen, and went over to Italy and trained with the you know semi-professional uh, team in Venice called Carrera, but. Um, yeah, the, the juniors were semi-professional. The seniors were, were highly professional, and um, and, and they were, uh, you know, I was pretty good by Australian standards. But I got a wake-up call when I got over to Venice and trained with those guys because there was guys my age who were, you know, six foot five, and you know, fourteen-year-olds who were six five and could just slam dunk, and you know, they were amazing. So my uh, my my career as a as a basketball player was cut short in my late teens, but. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I lived with the basketball in my hands, you know, and I also played junior footy for East Brunswick and Carlton Little League, and I loved football as well. So, yeah, I was into all sports. Um, you know, now I'm just happy to have a surf a couple of times a week, but because uh, surfing was also big when I was young, although I was never good enough to <laughs> consider a career in that. But footy, footy, footy and basketball, certainly I, I competed at the highest level for juniors. And, um, and yeah, I really, I really loved sports. It was, I guess, something that my my father's genes, you know, had something to do with that. I guess, but um, you know, I never, I never thought about. I was never really interested in kayaking like my father was. Right, right. So, do you still shoot hoops and uh, have a kick of the footy nowadays? Uh, I try to. I haven't shot hoops for ages. Um, my kids are a little bit young to hit the ring yet. I don't think it's nasty. I think it's a good thing to uh, encourage them to get outdoors. Yeah, same. More people same. probably need to do it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which leads me to the reason I made this short film called Your Rip uh, for the film festival this year. I've actually written and produced. I do, every year I come up with a, a short film with a social theme. Last year it was about male suicide. But this year it's about um, connection, uh, face-to-face connection versus you know virtual friendships and stuff. Oh, fantastic. Um, Many people may not know this about you, but uh, in 2009 you were asked to become uh, an ambassador for Lifeline. Uh, How did did that come about and and what was the experience like for you? Uh, Look, I was always getting approached for charities to do various things and Lifeline was one that sort of was important to me because I lost a very good friend in my 20s to suicide and it had a profound effect on me and I vowed that if I was ever in a position to do something to help somebody who needed help... um, that I would, and and that's uh, still to this day something that um, is a recurring theme in all, in all the shorts I make. I always have some kind of um, you know motif or 
theme about connection in some way um, and the importance of connecting with others. Um, uh, and, and, yeah, so the Lifeline thing was really, uh, when I was approached to do that, I, 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 I took it on board. And, and I'm still involved with Mental Health Australia and, um, and Are You OK Day is also behind our short film. So, yeah, it's something that uh, is important to me. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, a journalist, uh, Bob Ellis, once compared you to uh, Marlon Brando after seeing you in 15 Amore. Uh, do you remember hearing this and how you reacted to it at, at such a young age? I read that review uh, and it was, it was, I was gobsmacked. I was like, oh my God, oh, this guy, who is he? Uh, <laughs> Bob Ellis, rest in peace. Yes, he, um, he did indeed. He, he, he compared my performance in 15 Amore to a young Marlon Brando in On the Waterfront or, or, uh, or Anthony Quinn in Zorba the Greek, which I thought was, was amazing. Uh, they're both, you know, heroes of mine. So it was a huge honour to be uh, thought of in that light. But um, funnily enough, I tried to find that review. Uh, it was in an Encore magazine in the, uh, uh, I think it was 2000 or 1999. And, I, and I've never been able to find it since. But, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to read that review again with, you know, with more mature eyes because at the time it was just, um, you know, it was, uh, um, you know, it was a very positive review of the film, and and um, you know he saw things in it that uh, that I think were you know pretty good observations. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm as good as Brando <laughs> or, or Anthony Quinn. I think that was a bit of a stretch, but you know, he was um, he was he he gave an interesting review of the film, and it was I think it was a great little film. Oh yeah, and and you've uh, you've certainly got a great set of pipes in the film. Uh, did did singing come natural to you, or were you nervous about no. doing that? Yeah, look, I was, and and singing this certainly didn't come natural to me. I, I first start opened my mouth on stage and singing on uh, the Rocky Horror Show in nineteen eighty seven, and I was hopeless. I was terrible. I was a hopeless singer, and it was sort of the reason I was so you know part of the reason that I I uh, I sort of worked so hard at singing was because I was so bad at it <laughs> and, and I couldn't stand my own voice and, and I soon learned, well soon, it took me a long time to learn that the secret to singing is actually coming to accept your own voice and, and in, in, in fact coming to like it or love it yeah. and you know these days I love my own voice, yeah. you just ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you do much uh, singing in, in any of your current roles uh, say on stage or anything like that or do you just keep it to the shower and the bathroom? The shower and the bathroom, and, you know, to annoy the family occasionally. But I do still find it one of the most, you know, uplifting feelings. You know, I really find it a soulful experience to sing, and I love it. I really love it, and mm. I, I want to do more of it. I really do. And um, um, you know, uh, hopefully, I've learned how to carry a tune over the years. I've been told I've got an okay voice. So, oh, great! You know, <laughs> yeah, that's all right. My wife and I were watching the uh, 15 Amore trailer earlier today and both of us were captivated by uh, your singing, so you must be going all right. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much. That was, uh, that was, uh, it was funny because initially um, in the script, Morris Murphy had me playing the piano and, um, and just playing the piano and, and as, a, as a sort of uh, romantic courtship of, of, um, of Lisa Hensley's character. Uh, and and I said, no, 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 why don't we have him singing a song to her? And I researched it and I found this song, which is an old Neapolitan love song. And it was just perfect for the film. And, um, you know, we, we got the rights and, we, and uh, it's an ancient song. I actually think it was, no, we didn't get the 
beautiful song about unrequited love, and it just fit perfectly with that script. So, um, yeah, that was it. Was had special meaning to me that song because you know I, I sort of I took it upon myself to find it and and to get it uh, you know the music written and and to you know decipher the ancient lyrics and and it was uh, it was just one of those things I think that probably added to the performance was you know having that kind of um, time to research properly and to have that uh, you know to be given the freedom to contribute on that level was uh, an you know really an honor wow what a fantastic story thanks for sharing that thanks. that's great yeah um, so tell us about the films uh, that you're currently shooting. Uh, the Olive Sisters with Jackie Weaver and Megan Gale and Rachel Taylor is one. Yeah, we're not shooting yet. Well, we're in pre-production for that, and I'm working with Frank Latito on that. He's uh, the, uh, the EP, one of the exec producers, and uh, directing it, and I'm playing uh, one of the leads in it, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, we're currently uh, still raising finance for that movie, but uh, it's looking like it's probably going to happen later this year. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, which is awesome. And I've also got another film project called God's Little Children, which mm. we're hoping to shoot, if not this, mid this year, early next year. And that's got uh, Jessica Murray and Nicole De Silva and myself in the three leads. And, um, it's a fantastic story of, of a, um, a sex worker who's trying to get away from her, uh, her drug-addicted pimp who basically keeps her hostage and blackmails her. And, um, it's a really powerful sort of uh, road movie, I guess. And you're also uh, co-producing that, right? I am. I'm co-producing that one. Um, and uh, I've also got a little comedy web series called Welfare, which is start shooting in April and um, right here on the peninsula. Right. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really uh, shaping up to be a busy year, which is great. Tell us about Welfare because, uh, you know, it's, it sounds like an interesting little project and, and web series are all the rage at the moment. And... Yeah. Well, webs- yeah, Welfare sort of um, came about, I was approached about three, four years ago now by um, Laura Jane Eames who, who came up with this concept and she, she approached me with, they had a few scenes to shoot a trailer and we shot the trailer and it it didn't quite work so we decided to go back and um, and I said, look, I'd love to be involved further with this if you want my you know input and she said, yeah, well, let's co-produce it and so... You know, I contributed on a writing level as well, and we ended up sort of developing a few more scenes and ideas, and uh, creating some other characters. And we, you know, we, we reshot the trailer and cut it, and um, and then ended up adding another scene to it. And we put it up online and, and started a possible campaign, which which we hit our target. And um, and from that, we we were they're basically said by a private investor who. Um, who wanted to invest in it. And so we now have the budget and we're going into production in April. So Fantastic. fantastic. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very exciting. Um, so so six years ago you created the uh, Peninsula Short Film Festival, right? That's right, yeah. It's in its sixth year and uh, it's been growing year on year. And we've got the biggest uh, line-up this year. It's going to be incredible. So tell us about how the festival came about. Where did the idea come from? Well, I was sitting in a cafe in Rosebud and I was looking out over this rainy day and there's a, a wooden statue of a cinematographer carved and it's on, on the corner of Rosebud Parade and, and um, Point of Pean Road. Um, and it was out the front of an old theatre. And the theatre is now, of course, the, the Rosebud Bazaar. And, and, but it used to be this old theatre. And uh, the guy who ran it was a guy called Frank Whitaker. 
and they carved that statue in his honour. He was a bit of a one-man band. He'd sort of project the film, sell the chop tops, sell the tickets, and and, uh, and he was, you know, all hands on deck. So I really liked that whole story and spirit of uh, entrepreneurship. And, uh, and I thought, well, I was thinking of a way of how I could engage my acting students, because I do a bit of acting teaching down here as well. And I was thinking of how I could engage them in giving, giving them uh, on-set experience, because it's very hard to, you know, to one thing doing it in a classroom it's another getting on set experience and you know the, the jump from classroom to feature film is a very large one so short films seem to be the answer for me and I thought I looked down I saw that statue and I immediately got up and took a iPhone photo of that statue and then I inverted it and created a logo and sent out some information and about a month later we had a film festival <laughs> wow. and, and, and the first film festival was we had about through 400 people in that theatre because I, I went and approached the people. It was a second-hand furniture shop in the theatre and it was just full of junk furniture. And I said, do you mind if you know we clear this out one weekend and just put seats, rows of seats and, and do this short film festival? And the guy said, yeah, sure, no problem. You know? And so we, um, we did it. And on the first night, we, had, we packed it out. There was lines around the block. It was wow. incredible. Wow. Yeah, it was really, it was incredible. Yeah, I'm really. It was one of one of uh, you know one of the moments in life that I'll always remember. And, and I just thought, wow, we're onto something here. You know, we, there's a real big demand for it, and and we'll just keep growing it year on year and trying to improve on it, and make it better. And you know, the audiences seem to love it, so yeah, we're very lucky. Tell us a bit about Rosebud itself. Did it need something like this? Um, is it a small town or large town, or how important it's, is the festival to the town? Look, it's very, very important. It's large geographically, but it's a very small town mentality. And, and you know, people look after each other. It's a kind of quite a close-knit community. It's kind of lower socioeconomic. There's not a lot of uh, stuff to do in Rosebud. You know, there's a lot of unemployment and there's a lot of people looking for things to do. And so people often ask me, why don't you do it down at Porty? Why don't you do it, you know, at Mornington or whatever? And I just thought, no, look, Rosebud... Rosebud needs something, you know. Rosebud needs needs something like this, and um, and I just think that you know some of the greatest stories always come out of people who've experienced hardship. Yeah. And um, and certainly in Rosebud, there's a lot of those people live, and I thought they could relate to it. Um, you know, and hopefully get some good stories told by some local filmmakers, which has happened. Yeah. So, so you get you get a, a few submissions from locals. We've got two submissions in our finals this year that are local films so yeah we, we always get a lot of a lot of entries from local filmmakers and you know a couple of you know our emerging filmmaker from last year has gone on to create a film company and um excuse me and um you know has is, is servicing the council and other small businesses in the region and so we've sort of created a mini industry down here it's fantastic so good to hear uh, the judges yeah. are always uh, great people and always willing to mingle with the locals and and uh, the yeah. crowds uh, tell us about the yeah. selection criteria is, is it just a matter of calling in favors from people you know or, or is there more to it yeah, pretty much. Like we don't have the budget to pay people's uh, experience fees uh, that you know that they they'd normally command. You know, but um, so I just rely on ringing friends and saying, "Hey, you know, I can get your accommodation and I'll hook you up with some free stuff and just come on down <laughs> and and have some fun." And um, and uh, and so we've been really lucky. We've had amazing amazing judging panels, and this year is no exception. You know, we've got an incredible panel. We've got Sigrid Thornton, Wayne. Blair, 
uh, Guyton Grantley, uh, Lockie Hume, Nicole De Silva, and uh, who else? Um, there's one other. I can't remember. <laughs> we've, we've also we've we've always got great people. We've got uh, Samuel Johnson's coming down. Um, we've got. Uh, Damien Walsh Howling is coming down. We've got some amazing filmmakers. Wayne Blair, the director of Sapphires, is on our judging panel this year. So, yeah, we, we, we really managed to punch well above our weight in terms of... Um, it's a Malibu. It's the Malibu of the peninsula. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Lockie Hume, I remember the year that I came down. Uh, he was just so lovely to speak with, and uh, and you know happy to take photos with people, and and that's the yeah. kind of that's the kind of vibe that you get from all of those judges. So it's fantastic. Yeah, they really get into it, and the local people, the locals love it, and. Um, and you know they're they're good people down here. They don't make asses of themselves. They just <laughs> they give them a bit of space, and you know they get a couple of photos, and then they nick off. They don't get in people's faces and stuff. So you know, um, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, so if people are coming down, um, uh, what what else? Uh, what other activities are there to do in uh, Rosebud for for people who want to stay for a few days? Oh, look, there's heaps to do down here. There's, there's not, not so much in Rosebud itself. I mean, there's, the beach is pretty cool. There's the cinema, which is great. Um, but in terms of just the region, you've got horseback winery tours. You've got the Peninsula Hot Springs 10 minutes away. You've got, um, you know, um, Moona Lynx Golf Course. You've got the Bonio Maze, which is incredible. It's just a beautiful spot, the Bonio Maze. I go there all the time. You've got surf beaches, strawberry picking, um, Martha's Seat. You've got the Eagle View uh, chairlift now in operation. So, you know, there's, um, there's heaps to do down here. It's one of the, you know, one of the best tourist spots in Australia, really. And uh, you've recently introduced feature films to the festival, uh, which, screen out, which they, they screen out of competition. Uh, tell us about the films you've got screening this year. Yeah, we, we kick off and wind up the festival with feature films and the, the Friday night has become what we call the Oz Indie Showcase where we showcase an independent Australian film. This year we've gone with um, Boys in the Trees, Nick Verso's film, yep. which made a lot of noise in Venice and uh, I haven't seen yet, which I'm looking forward to seeing. And uh, and on the Sunday night after the film festival on the Saturday, we've got the documentary Constance on the Edge, which I have seen and is an incredible and powerful film of a story of a Sudanese refugee woman and her family trying to re-establish themselves in Wagga Wagga of all places. <laughs> so it's an amazing uh, program we've got. And, you know, the Friday night is an excellent opportunity uh, to talk to the filmmakers. We have a Q&A session with Nick Verso after the movie and John Malloy, the producer from Mushroom, will also be there. And on the Sunday, we've got uh, a great Q&A with Belinda Mason, the director of Constance on the Edge. But we've also got an industry special event, which is a speed networking um a speed networking event where uh, budding filmmakers can meet with industry professionals and you know representatives from Madman Entertainment, uh, independent producers, and other distributors. Uh, so it's a it's a really good opportunity for you know independent filmmakers to come and share ideas and and hook up with some good connections. It's so good, Steve. Uh, you should be very proud of yourself and uh, and everyone involved Thanks, as well. Thank you, mate. Uh, appreciate. It. Okay, Steve Bistoni, uh, thank you very much for joining the Cinema Australia podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me on. I'll catch you next year. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. 
For all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews, you can visit www.cinemaaustralia.com.au. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Cinema Australia.